Coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for another episode of Tech Talk with your host, Joey Klein. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Tech Talk. Uh, so we've got a special show today. Normally, uh, everyone who listens to this knows we have about two or three guests. Uh, we have a large topic to discuss today, and so we are limiting it to one guest, and it is Ali Young, CEO and founder of Access Replay. How you doing, Ali? Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we are going to talk about gaming, which is a broad category, um, and I'm, I'm going to make some assumptions here. Um, our audience generally is probably in your 30s to, you know, low 40s, okay, in terms of age, right? And, and part of this is somewhat biographical, but I think that my experience can somewhat serve as maybe an analog for many of those listening to this. Uh, if your last gaming experience was maybe your first computer, you got to play Doom, or, you know, in high school, you played uh, Goldfinger or Mario Kart on N64. And maybe since then, you played a little bit in college at, you know, with some buddies, but you haven't really picked up a controller in, call it a good 10 years. What do, what, what, what are those listening? I would say probably at least 50% of this audience not understand about the revolution that gaming is going through right now. Um, I mean, really, when you look at the average age of gamers today, they are that 30, you know, 33 is the average age, surprisingly enough. Um, I ask that question a lot, actually, when uh, during panels and everybody always tells me, you know, 13 or 14. Um, But you're right. A lot of gamers today are, um, you know, those of us who used to play in, in high school, uh, or college. And then, uh, you know, real life kind of took away a little bit of game time. Um, and now it's just recreation, right? Um, in the industry right now, there's a lot of buzz around esports. Mm-hmm. And what people need to understand is that esports is really a small portion of gaming um 60 percent of the popular the u.s population and i think it's actually gone up it's 66 percent now um of the u.s population plays video games and so that is uh that that's a large sector it's huge yeah yeah so let, let's back up a little bit and just give a highlight of what access replay does i want to get into your background why you love gaming dig much more into why um, esports has become a phenomenon even though yes as you said that is a small piece of gaming overall mm-hmm. but but give us the headline in access replay so access replay is really kind of a, a top golf experience for video games and esports uh, my background is in sales and marketing i uh, worked with corporations, uh, Cox Media, Clear Channel, own my own marketing firm. Um, and when, well, actually, you know, I'm a gamer. I, I met my husband playing video games 20 years ago, and this has always been a passion of mine. Um, and so when we conceptualize the idea of a top golf type environment for gaming and, and esports, um, or video games, we had, I started doing some heavy, I started doing a deep dive in the marketplace for what, what that looked like. Where were the gaps? And we found a huge one, right? One of the big gaps is missing infrastructure for a space that or a venue um, that where gamers can come together. 
And with gaming being such a social activity, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, th- this is something that, that is extremely important to us as, as, as a gamer, but also as a human being, right? I mean, we're looking, we're constantly looking for, um, those experiences. It's in our DNA to come together as a group. I mean, when you look at Mercedes Benz Stadium and good Lord, I mean, the poor Falcons, right? But uh, I mean, you know, people still pay tickets and they go to the game and, and that is, um, you know, instead of watching it by yourself watching TV. I mean, that is a question that people always ask me uh, when we conceptualized the idea and started, you know, looking for investment dollars. Uh, what, you know, the question was, why, hey, Allie, why would anybody um, leave their house to play video games? And, and my answer was always, well, because we're human. You know, we, we talked about that when we first met and I'm somewhat, look, I, I understand that maybe being a, um, a question from a savvy investor trying to understand, okay, how do you monetize this? But if if you take that question at face value, I don't really understand how a thinking, feeling human being can necessarily ask that, right? We all like experiences, okay? Um, and I do want to talk about experiential retail, of course, as a real estate guy. Um, you know, that 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 is of interest and that is exactly what we're talking about here. But um to to be human is to want to interact with other human beings and share experiences. I'm sure you're familiar with the trend that a lot of bands um, tour now, and they're doing anniversary tours of albums that came out 15 or 20 years ago, right? Where right. they play the album all the way through. I went to one of these last night, okay? That's awesome. And it, it was great. And, of course, you know exactly what song is going to come next. Mm-hmm. And someone asked, well, like, you you know what's going to – I mean, what's, what's, what's the fun here? I was like, <laughs> you don't understand, like – it's not it's a different experience to listen to it in my car than to scream it along with everyone else who knows it too and remembers what it was like when they heard that for the first time when they were 14 yeah i i don't um yeah i'm i'm so confused at people that don't get whether it's gaming or whether it's anything social um yes you can stay in your house to do it but uh you know our our biology our makeup is still the same as it was thousands of years ago we still want to get out and interact with people absolutely actually when you said that i got chills because <laughs> um you know we uh, the relaunch of 15 year old game or the 15 year old game world of warcraft um they they did uh they did a wow classic relaunch basically um and we did we had an event for it just you know hey let's let's just put together an event um and we were open all night and so we it was a monday night and we were open until uh it was basically a lock-in so we were open until 8 a.m which is that's really cool yeah and and uh and i have to tell you i mean we were we were packed I mean, packed full. People came in, um, guilds, groups of people actually came together <laughs> at Access Replay to play World of Work, a 15 year old video game. Yeah. That, you know, they reverted back from all of the updates and everything that they've had over the past 15 years. They reverted back to WoW Classic, which was the, the game when it came out 15 years ago. Um, and I'm telling you, people were there until three or four in the morning on a Monday night. Wow. 
It was amazing. That's fantastic. Well, I, I, I really want to talk about the community aspect of it because you, look, it, it, it's not like going somewhere to game is necessarily a new concept, right? right? We've had arcades. You can go to a place like a Dave and Buster's, right? And, you know, play, play games, right? Yeah. But I think there's something very different going on with Axis in a very short period of time. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, community that you're building and i'd like to dig a little bit more into that um so we are all about experiences for gamers and their friends and what we found um you know we we've been open since january and we found that you know each gaming community um you know like i said 60 percent of the u.s population plays video games Mm -hmm. so you know when people ask what games you play there could be a hundred different answers, just right. like when somebody says, "Hey, what kind of music do you like?" Right? Um, it's it, it's such a huge swath of demographics. Right. Um, it, so for the communities that we serve, each one really has its own unique um, passion. Right. I mean, you, you have the fighting game community, which in Atlanta is a huge deal, um, made up of, of some older players who are, uh, you know, into Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and Tekken. Right. Um, and those are, those are fairly old games, uh, and uh, Dragon Ball Z. Um, and that, that group requires a different experience. Mm-hmm. Than, uh, say, you know, the, the Fortnite, the Fortnite guys, right? Or girls. Um, and then there are also, you know, the high schools who are getting into esports now and, uh, they have, that's a totally different sector. Um, because they're being, you know, they're playing, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but the, uh, but Georgia just, uh, declared last year. Um, esports is a sport. I've seen. Which is amazing. And, uh, you know, so there are three games that the, that the schools play. Mm-hmm. So they're competitive with it and, you know, that type of stuff. And they require a different experience. So the communities that we're building are, are based around these pockets. Um, yeah. And then you have, Dungeons and Dragons players, right? I mean, we have a huge Warhammer tabletop event. People are flying in from all over, um, for this, for this three day, uh, tabletop event. So each one is about different communities. Well, th- this one, this actually brings up an interesting business issue because when, look, you, you've, you've launched in January, right? You're very much a startup. Yeah. Um, and so you, you've got, as you mentioned, a wide swath of demographics right. that you're catering toward here. Okay. But you are a startup organization with limited resources and bandwidth. So how do you keep yourself? How do you cater to this population and get every, you know, everyone who should be interested, interested in access while also keeping your eye on a goal and not, um, you know, spreading yourself too thin? Yeah, so that that's a challenge, uh, for sure. I mean, like I said, my background is in sales and marketing, so yeah. thank God for that. <laughs> that's one. Um, and and there are a lot 
there are companies who have tried over the past five years um, to create something like an access replay mm-hmm. and they've failed. And I think it's because they, they're not open to, to the fact that gamers require their own little communities and they want to be social on their terms. And each one of those experiences have to be unique. Does that make sense? So like what, let me, let me share this with you. For example, um, I mean, for us, we understand and accept and embrace that our communities are going to be vastly different. Mm-hmm. And we make sure that the experiences that we have for at, at Access Replay are just as diverse. Um, yes, we have our target market and our target demographic, um, which you know, when you look at it, it's it, gamers, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Um, in the, in the Atlanta market, um, and the DMA, uh, and how do we engage those people? Um, and we do that through these experiences. So it might be where, you know, when you look at Braves fans, right? Or you look at football fans, um, you have to engage them in those terms. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think what, what seems in addition unique to what you're doing is, okay, so I mentioned traditional arcades or Dave and Buster's, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. These, to me, those are somewhat reactionary. And what I mean by that is that, you know, it's, you're the one choosing to go there. You think about, you know, oh, let, let, let's, let's go to whatever Dave and Buster's night is the example I'm using. Okay. As opposed to what you're doing, which is, yes, of course, you want people to, you know, actively choose to come to you. Um, you know, via a membership. Okay. But you're also holding these events. You're also putting right. these communities together. Um, whereas you are going to the community, giving them a reason to come to you. And I think when you look at the larger category of, I mean, I put mixed use real estate developments, I put experiential retail in here. When you look at the ones that are successful, they're not just standing on their own. There is an active programming group behind whether it's a development or whether you know it's it, it, monday night brewery i just learned this monday night brewery the new one on the southwest belt line 200 events a year right it's not because they can't just there's there's a ton of brewery competition right you can't just serve beer you have to provide a reason for people to join that community and come out and so what sounds to me unique about what you're doing is you are curating that as opposed to just letting this facility stand there and say hey guys we have games why don't you just come play that that's well said. Um, you know, we really focus on when we opened our first one of our very first strategic partners was DreamHack. Mm-hmm. And when you go to a DreamHack, I don't know if you got a chance to go in, in this. November. No, we talked about it. I wasn't able to make it. I really wanted to. Well, it, it it's the largest gaming festival yeah. essentially in in the world, um, and DreamHack is all about the lifestyle for gamers. So when you go there, they have, um, you know, they have a bit, it's a big land party. Um, people come in and bring their own computers and, and play video games, but you also get to try out new games. You have apparel. There's an expo with, you get to try out equipment and peripherals. Um, and then at night they hold concerts, 
um, and and where they have artists come in and the gamers get up and they, you know, they, they watch these concerts. And, um, so really it's all about the game, the gaming lifestyle. And we've really modeled access replay around that, right? Because as a gamer, it's not just about the games. It's, it's about our life as a gamer mm-hmm. and having, being able to integrate that. And in fact, uh, you know, so access replay is a live work and in, in game community. Um, we, we offer and provide a hot desk and co-working space during the day, um, you know, gaming at night. And we have a, we, half of our members are in fact our co-workers. Interesting. It lets before we breeze past this and well, we've, we've gotten deep in conversation at this point, obviously, but w- where is Access Replay located? Uh, so we are right on Crog Street, across from Crog Street Market in the, downtown Atlanta. Okay, fantastic. So you are right on the Beltline. Yes. Atlanta's beachfront property. Perfect. So anyone who, who works in that area and they could or could not have an interest in gaming, but they want a place to co-work for the day, they can come to Access Replay and do that. Absolutely. Very cool. Okay. So let's, I want to go back to esports. All right. Because people may have misconceptions about e- what esports is. Um, they, if they've been paying attention, may have seen that there are now people playing esports at a very young age, winning lots of money to rival some of the largest prizes in more traditional athletic sports. So what is esports and why has it become such a force to be reckoned with? Uh, esports really is um, the it's a sport where it's a spectator sport for video games. Right. Right. Um, and that's the simple answer for that. Um, the reason I think that it's become such a force to be reckoned with, you have a lot of, you know, fans of sports and traditional sports. Right. I mean, I might be a Falcons fan, but I don't play football. Yeah. Right. Um, with esports, and I don't know the exact percentage, um, of data, right, that, uh, that, that has been done so far, but a lot, or a good portion of esports fans play the game that these players play. So there's an added level of passion behind it. Right. And then also, the engagement that you have with digital athletes is so much more than the typical. So, for example, um, we've had 26 pro teams practice out of Access Replay, uh, and they use it as a practice facility because we have 10G internet lines. We have the fastest internet in the country right now in a retail space, which is amazing. Um, and also we have top of the line gaming equipment there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these teams, when they come in and practice, you could be a member at Access Replay and look next to you and you're, you're sitting next to one of the top five player Fortnite players in the world right um you don't get that kind of level of engagement i mean you could be that that's like going to the gym playing some hoops and all of a sudden michael jordan is right next to you um and so so the that's that's obviously an example at access replay but 
when you look at or when you watch a stream on Twitch and why so many viewers um, are are on that medium now, the the level of engagement from these guys when when you're watching somebody practice um, and play, and they're saying, "Oh, hey, hello, Joey." How are you? You know, like when you log in and you say, Hey, so and so, that's like, that's like watching Kobe play and being like, Hey, Kobe. And he responds to you. Right. So, so that level of engagement ties in so much. Uh, there's so much strength in that. And, um, I think that that's why that's a big reason why esports has become so big so fast because of the passion of the fans. I mean, at the end of the day, a sport is only as strong as its fan base. Yes. Yes, ab- absolutely, right? But the what you've brought up is something interesting because we haven't whether you're a fan whether you're a fan of music, of movies, of high art, um of athletics, you don't really get a chance to interact with your idols, right? right? Like I couldn't, you know, like, like this is like if I, you know, post it, I'm a, I'm a guitarist, right? If I posted something, you know, on, on YouTube and like Jimmy Page responded and he was like, nice lick, Joey. I'm like, that, that would never happen, right? Um, Maybe. I'd be able to die happy if it did, right? <laughs> um, but the fact that, and, and I think there's a lot of reasons why gaming lends itself to a little bit more of a cohesive, non-hierarchical type of community. But the fact that that's even possible means that that community can be built, I think, quicker and probably stronger. And, of course, this is something that would not have even been possible, I think, even 10 years ago. Absolutely. I mean, 10 years ago, you know, there were barely comms right or communications or devices or or apps that you could use when um you're playing a game with your friends even right i mean it's it's technology's come a long way for sure okay so so you as a businesswoman have you know you're a gamer by heart you've identified all these business reasons why at this point in time it makes sense for you to establish something like access Talk to us about, because I, li- I like to get in the psychology of an entrepreneur, okay? So talk to us about the journey from quitting. I mean, obviously, you're still in sales and marketing, right? We're all in sales and marketing. Absolutely. But it, quitting sales and marketing in a more formal way and venturing off to start Access. So that's a, that's a great question because, um, you know, on the operational side, obviously, Access Replay takes a lot more of my bandwidth than a marketing firm Mm -hmm. did. Um, When you have a facility and a venue, um, the operations behind it it has to be extremely strong um, and, and solid. Uh, And I I have to tell you the team that I have now, I mean, I went from, from a team of five with my marketing firm to now I, you know, the access replay has a team of 18. Um, and that's just one location. Yeah. Um, you know, in in terms of that journey from, from sales and marketing, I, I have not actually gone away from that. Of course. Very much. Uh, which is, which is really, which is really actually interesting. Um, it, it's, it's more of, I would say it's more expanded. Um, because 
now, you know, we did a lot of experiential stuff through my marketing firm. Um, however, what we're doing at Access Replay is like times a hundred. <laughs> um, and so that, that piece of it has been different, uh, and expanded, obviously. Um, you know, the day to day, the operations, I, I have a great team, so that's been their focus. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the biggest difference for me has been on the investor side. Um, yeah. You know, I, I bootstrapped my first company. It was not, you know, I didn't need investments for it. Um, and this part of it with uh, getting investors has been different for me. And and from an investor perspective, you have partnered with Rise Ventures. I have. Uh, and in fact, we are, I, I can't say it yet until everything is signed off. Um, but we, you know, what I can share is we have partnered with um, several angel investors in the Atlanta market mm -hmm. who are um, some pretty big names. So Sig Mosley is one. Um, he's an investor and he's also on our board. Um He's very big into tech and the He's, godfather of yes. investments in Atlanta. Um, Sue Ribb, who is an, an incredible mentor. Um, she is also the managing partner with uh, Atlanta Music Fund mm -hmm. and kind of brings in the entertainment sphere into our world. Um, and then, of course, you know, Champ Bailey, pro, uh, former pro Hall of Famer. Um, Georgia native, uh, it, you know, he brings in that, uh, that side of the world in terms of, um, sports and traditional sports, um, which, which is amazing to see because when you look at the diversity of even our, our investor pool, um, it, it really kind of, it matches. Number one, our customer base, it matches what we're doing in terms of diversity and also connecting traditional sports, entertainment, and esports and gaming together in yeah. kind of under one roof. All right. Well, so it sounds like you, pretty between the lines, you have something exciting to announce, but we can't talk about it too much. So we'll have to have you back on to discuss. <laughs> um, so do, well, speak, speaking of traditional sports, um, I, I want to touch upon the corporate sponsorships um, and corporate programs that you've been a part of. And um, specifically, I'm thinking of work with the Braves, but of course, I also know that you, know, you do corporate work with... Um, you know, like corporate memberships um, on organizations that have nothing to do with traditional sports. So touch uh, touch upon both of those, because I, th I think I found them definitely very interesting when we first talked about them. Sure. Um, so some of our biggest partners this year uh, has had things to do with esports and gaming. Um, you know, obviously the Braves with the traditional sports side and tying in, you know, what we did with the Braves was really interesting. Um, we created an experience for the Braves uh, that brought their fans closer to their players um, through the Atlanta Players Cup. And what the Atlanta Players Cup was, was that it was, it was, it was a fundraising event. Uh, and actually the way I pitched it was, hey, let's do a new kind of golf tournament, right? Yeah. One, that, one that the players want to do in the heat of Atlanta summer. Right. 
Uh, with air conditioning. It, it, with air conditioning. Yeah. So we had the Braves, um, Acuna, Albies, uh, Freed, um, Luke Jackson actually owns a Fortnite team. Wow. And we had, um, RBK, which is, uh, Luke Jackson's team come in, you know, after a game, Acuna, Albies, uh, Freed and, and some other players, um, came in and, and played Fortnite for, to raise money for the Braves Foundation. Uh, and it was so much fun. We, so the greatest part about that event is, you know, obviously it, it took a lot, there was a lot of red tape around, you know, MLB distribution, et cetera, yeah. and partnership. Um, but the partnership there, we had, we only had three hours to promote this, to promote this stream, streaming event. Okay. There were, there was only three and a half hours of content and we were able to have, uh, I mean, we had 227,000 views. Whoa. Um, it, it was insane. And this was, this is the kind of power that, you know, that, that gaming has where it really, it humanizes, you know, and, and, and the, the, the folks from the Braves team are like, yeah, it humanizes the players. You, it's not, it's no longer, you know, I grew up in the Michael Jordan age, right? Where it's like, oh, it, there's a, they have a, you know, they're almost idols and, and right. having, having this kind of engagement just strengthens that bond from fans and, and players. Um, so that was one. Uh, we, we, we worked with AT&T this year with some, uh, phenomenal uh, activations, um, where we created an experience for, uh, the gaming community, um, Madden, Madden community, mm-hmm. uh, and then also, um, Injustice 2 in the fighting game community. Um, we had, we had these tournaments uh, in conjunction with in partnership with the Falcons where, um, we had some Falcons players, cheerleaders, and, you know, AT&T curated this event. We had it at Access Replay. Um, the players played and the, the finalists from that actually got to play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on the Halo board. I mean, getting out on the field, like Falcons jerseys. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. It yeah. was like, I mean, these guys will never forget that experience for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And that, that is the authentic way to do those things, right? Like, I mean, when you create experiences like that, when you create fans like that of your brand, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I love to do. That there, there's nothing that builds sticky brand loyalty like something like yes. that. Yeah. So, and this is, and look, some, sometimes I ask questions because I know the answers and I want, you know, I want the answers said out loud. Um, th- this one I just popped into my head and I'm curious about. So, um, anyone who, uh, tracks Georgia politics knows that, um, uh, casino and sports betting have been a big, big topic of conversation. Some of the largest political donors over the past couple of years are casino organizations. And I'm curious with sports betting being such a topic of conversation, um, is esports betting a thing? Is this, is, is, is there like an underground esports betting organization? Is this something that people see as another revenue stream or it's somewhat in its infancy and we haven't gotten there yet? 
It's definitely coming. Okay. Um, and I believe I just read something recently in New Jersey. Um, but I do know that it's been in progress for many years. Um, in terms of, uh, I mean, I have a very close relationship with MGM in Vegas mm-hmm. and they, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on there, um, with esports, as you know. Um, and there are, there are talks and there, they've been, there have been a lot of advocates in Atlantic City. Um, I mean, for Georgia, I believe that, I mean, well, betting for sure is coming, right? I mean, I think they're, they're building a casino, right? Uh, the first one that's going to be over at Atlanta Motor Speedway. I read something about that. Well, so I think Atla- that, I think Atlanta Motor Speedway be- is for, for, first the General Assembly, I believe, has to um, amend the Georgia Constitution, which requires a – I forget if it's actually a vote like by us or if it is simply a vote in the legislature. So I think Atlanta Motor Speedway is sort of pitching like, hey, look at us over here. We have this big piece of land. Um, but, you know, there's been activity from a number of legislators who I think are going to bring this up in the 2020 General Assembly session. Yeah. So I, I know there are talks yeah. that have been going on for years and years. Um, and I, I, I keep an eye on it. Um, yeah. and you know, these things kind of get pinged, uh, to me. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure on, on where that is. Um, but I do know that in terms of esports betting, that is coming. I mean, one would think if, if you can, if you, if there is a desire, uh, to bet on traditional sports, why not esports? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think all this is probably inevitable. Absolutely. And I know that there are already platforms where, um, people can kind of bet on themselves, where they can play against other people. Okay. You know, and, and, uh, for money. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, of course there's tournaments and things like that, and that's also for money. Um, but it's not necessarily, you know, sports betting yet. Right, right. Okay. Well, um, interesting uh, topic to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Uh, I want to touch on the gaming camp that you run because yeah. I think that, well, look, so as I, I think it's fascinating for a number of reasons. One, one of the, the places where I come from is, so I'm, I live in the city. I'm a parent. Um, I think it is becoming much, I grew up here as well. I grew up in the suburbs. And, um, you see a lot more people choosing to raise their kids in the heart of the city. You see the city, the city proper population swell, right? What I don't think has caught up are a lot of family friendly activities and venues. Um, you know, yes, there are places I can take my daughter to swim and, you know, yes, there's parks, but, you know, if you look at, a lot of kind of the large indoor retail type spaces, bowling alleys, um, uh, you know, in, in indoor gaming facilities, right? Minus access replay. Traditionally, these have been in big box shopping centers in the depths of the suburbs. And so I, th- I think that there is a lack of this in the city from a family perspective, not necessarily from a nightlife perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always interested in activities for kids in the heart of the city. Um, I also think that, that the concept is cool. So that's that's sort of where my interest um, is coming from here. But let's kind of give the audience a look into what this gaming camp is. 
Sure. Uh, well, first, I, you know, as a parent, also, I have a 13 year old girl, um, who, by the way, is a gamer. And well, of I course make, she is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I make her practice playing two hours a day uh, as part of our curriculum. <laughs> um, like, seriously. <laughs> well, my, my, mine is two. There's a little ways to go there. But. <laughs> um, well, one of the things, you know, in terms of being family friendly, Absolutely. I mean, when you look at gaming as a way to connect with your kids, it's it's a powerful way to do that, right? I mean, it's a time when you two, when you guys can work together as a team. Mm-hmm. You can also, you know, you have to communicate, um, and it brings parents in the mindset of their child. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a lot of activities. Period. That does that. I mean, I know as a parent, I struggle to do things. You know, a lot of times we'll be watching a movie or we'll watch a, uh, something that, that not necessarily I might like or she might not necessarily enjoy. Um, and there's always that kind of, uh, not necessarily conflict, but, um, it's that disparity between interests. I, I, I get it. I cannot say that I like Daniel Tiger as much as my two-year-old does. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as a family-friendly activity, gaming, I, I highly recommend it for all parents. I mean, just even, you know, learn from your kid, right? How many opportunities does your child get to teach you something? And um, I think that, that that's a powerful connecting point. Um, what we're doing with our summer camp program, and uh, th- this is really fun because we, what I've found was, in the past years, a lot of, a lot of these summer camps that are in existence, um, they try to legitimize gaming through, uh, through adding in things that they think parents would like their kids to do, mm-hmm. right? Like, for example, um, coding and, coding and game development. Uh, so, when we when we were developing our summer camp program, we we had a test uh, week this year. Um, I was adamant that we were not going to have any kind of um, gaming development or coding in our summer camp because, you know, in reality, if you go to a football camp or a soccer camp, you're not going to learn field maintenance or how to stitch a ball. Yeah, uh, that's just not the way that works. Um, so. My thought process was that if we're really going to legitimize it or make it acceptable to parents, let's show them how we can create and help create well-rounded gamers, right? Not well-rounded people, but well-rounded gamers. So our summer camp program, one, um, includes a partnership with Mamba Sports uh, out from L.A. and uh, Kobe Bryant's team. And they, and actually for 2020, um, we're going to be partnering with Northside Hospital as well, hmm. um, to provide, they'll be the provider for the medical side, um, of the training and nutrition. So the summer camp program has health and wellness 
um, to, and these groups are facilitating that for them. So we're talking cognitive skills training, mental acuity training, um, breathing exercises, uh, tr- and, and sleeping and nutrition and, you know, well-rounded athletes, right? Because all your, and it's amazing because I did the I did the cognitive skills testing. By the way, I was not good, um, but <laughs> but when you're looking at your hand eye coordination, it needs to be a um, you need to have slept well. You you can't be tired and exhausted. And sometimes playing too much is not a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, but activity and training includes the physical side. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that we do. Um, additionally, it, it's all about gaming. So we train and coach um, on these kids playing a different game and every day. And it's not necessarily, you know, they can't just come in and play Fortnite all week. Um, Unless it's it's their game of choice, and then the advanced side, if they qualify for that, then mm-hmm. they get to do that. Uh, so there's that. Then additionally, teams place a lot of importance in content creation. Uh, so we'll be doing production, um, streaming uh, workshops, um, and you know, and and in social media and, and really content creation. Um, and then obviously the competition side. So every day the kids compete during, you know, during a tournament, learn what it's like to be up on stage playing against each other. Um, and then this year for 2020, we're actually including a combine where uh, the kids can participate and uh, be eligible for esports scholarships for college. That's a thing. That's a thing. Oh my god! That is a thing. Wow, uh, that's that's amazing. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Um, and so you know, initially we were planning on doing our our summer camp program um, in the six markets that we were going to be, we're going to be opening access replays in over the, in the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we launched this project in, um, uh, with a partnership with the Georgia high school sports association. Uh, and now we're offering the program to 13,000 kids in Georgia alone. Whoa. Uh, so we'll have five locations in Georgia, um, for the kids to come in and, and, uh, and, and, do esports and gaming summer camp. And so if any parent listening to this wants to sign their child up, is there a deadline? How do they find more out about it? Uh, so we will be pushing it out on our website at accessreplay.com. Uh, December 15th is when everything will be launched. Uh, the deadline will be when space runs out um, sure. and space is limited. So uh, we're looking at only having 80 spots for each of the locations that we're going to be in. Okay. So parents, you hear that? If you want to get your kids an awesome gift, sign them up for video game <laughs> summer camp. Um, okay. So, all right. So we, 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 uh, we, we touched upon that. Um, that'll be a hopefully a nice Christmas gift for a lot of, a lot of kids out there. Um, 
uh, obviously you have ambitions outside of Atlanta, but Atlanta is your flagship location. Why has Atlanta been such a great place to start and grow this business? Atlanta is an amazing ecosystem. Um, and they have, they're constantly looking for ways to help entrepreneurs like myself. Um, not just that, but also, uh, the resources in connections and, um, and I mean, my goodness, the way that Atlanta has, is completely all in when it comes to all things gaming and esports is phenomenal. Like um, the support from high res studios Mm -hmm. and, you know, the scuff gaming and control freak and, you know, the, the manufacturers of gaming peripherals here, um, the chamber of commerce and best Atlanta um, just to bring in even like the publicity support has been great. Um, not just, I mean, and I do want to make mention too, uh, especially the Atlanta Esports Alliance, which, um, has recently formed, uh, which is a part of the Atlanta Sports Council. And uh, Sports Council is a world, uh, a world class sports council that brings, you know, the Olympics and the Super Bowl and, you know, hopefully FIFA to Atlanta. We, that being integrated into that um as you know for esports just just brings so much legitimacy to what we're doing uh and i I can't say enough about the ecosystem here it's um it's been incredibly supportive and i our successes is is due largely in part to the fact that we are part of that ecosystem you know, I, we, we have a lot of people from different industries on this show. Um, generally all touch technology from to some degree, but you know, very different product types. And it really feels like this place is just in the past decade firing on all cylinders. Um, I agree. It's, yeah, it, it, it feels very different from, and look, certainly when I grew up here, I did not know it from a business perspective. Um, but just, yeah, since 2010, 2011, uh, there's just, so much energy on all different fronts. It's a pretty, I, th- I think we're having a moment. It feels like a very special time to be here. I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So if people want to learn more about Access Replay, they can come visit you on the Beltline. Absolutely. And then, Anytime. And then come check out your website. Yes, please. Okay. Can they find you on social? Always. Okay. AccessReplay.com. That's A-X-I-S. Replay. Any parting messages before we uh, leave our listeners for today? Uh, Game on, Atlanta. Thank you guys so much for having me. (laughs) Well said. Thanks, Allie.